this is this is it. We got to okay. record I'm all recording. the pre-episode banter. I am rolling. Yeah. I am recording. End of hmm. an era, guys. Yeah, I know. Let's be honest, though. It's like when Star Wars comes out, are we probably going to record? An yeah, episode? that's what I was yeah. going to say. We need probably, a Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just is life too busy for the weekly episode? Yeah, it's it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. It says, uh, nope. cat's out of the bag. Spoiler alert. This is the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Are we just going? Yeah. In case you can't tell, this is the finale. Welcome to Popcorn uh, Optional. I'm Cameron Slinney. Wait, that's not right. Oh, good no, no, job. Trevor, no, Trevor, you do it. You do it. <laughs> that was cute. That was good. Well, for those of you who can't tell, you know, life has gotten busy. We haven't recorded an episode since Hobbs and Shaw, which was at the beginning of August. And it was so, not good. It was not good. <laughs> but we feel like that's... We talked about this. We feel like that is the perfect way for the podcast to end is <laughs> as the Fast and the Furious franchise should probably call it quits. You know. Um, Quit while like you're Jake falling said, uh, slightly behind. That's right. what you always should. That is right. Vin Diesel kicks you out of the franchise, you're done. <laughs> and we were never in the franchise, so I don't know what that tells you. I would be honored to be kicked by Vin Diesel out of or into anything. I just want to let Vin Diesel know I don't have anything in my contract that says how much I can or can't be beat up or whether or not I can or can't lose a fight. So <laughs> I can get punched as much as you want me to. And I'll take real punches to the face. Oh, how much on. would it take for you guys to take a real punch to the face from Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Oh my gosh. Like what, mm. what's the number? What's the number that it's like that's worth it for you? He covers all your medical expenses plus this. Hundred thousand? I don't know. See, I think I think I need. uh, I think a million dollars is kind of the place where you can safely not have to work very much the rest of your life. And uh, I think that's it. Are you getting brain damage from this punch? I don't know, but I don't want to have to worry about that. That's I'm not going to go back to work and think about how I got punched in the face by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm going to go to the beach somewhere or something. Is he a good puncher or is he a good at fake punching? That's I don't. The there's just a lot of math. You got to think it. that somebody that size, even if he's bad at punching, there's still going to be some force behind it. Oh, I mean, I know the dude is strong. Like, no debate. I don't want to put science on you, but you know, force equals mass times acceleration, and there's a lot of mass, and I'm pretty sure he can accelerate. So yeah, that's probably true. He can wield the force pretty well. <laughs> well, um, tonight we are going to do uh, something we've done before, something we've never done. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at you, a la <laughs> Michael Scott and his toast at Jim and Pam's wedding. <laughs> so um, in case you don't know from the title, we are doing the, our top 10 favorite episodes of The Office, which if you've listened to us before... Or if you know us in real life, you know how much we love that show, how much it means to us, how much we love all those characters. So we figured what better way to end than to record one final episode where we talk about uh, probably our joint favorite show of all time. Well, I mean, here, here's the honest truth. I mean, we, we all signed NDAs, but I, I'm just going to say screw it. So we, we, <laughs> okay. we were the official podcast for Risky. The Office. 
And now Jenna Fisher and Angela, they're starting their own podcast. And they're like, well, we're the office podcast. And so basically it came down to litigation in court and we're having to shut down. And uh, that that's the honest truth. There it is. It's okay. So, we're getting free subscriptions to Peacock out of it. So it's fine. Yeah. So it all worked out. But um, <laughs> I can't a, wait that, to watch Big Bang Theory. That's, that's a sentence that I just said. I said subscriptions <laughs> to Peacock. <laughs> Good God! Who thought of, this is. I want to know who this is, honestly was like Peacock's this is a great a name for a literal Jack Donaghy idea. Like literally Jack Donaghy. Wait, is that the actual name? This. Is that the actual name? Yeah, that's what the streaming oh, service is called. Oh, I thought you were kidding. No, that, no, oh no my God. It, they're this, calling this it Peacock. This is Thirty Rock. This is the Fun yeah. Cooker. We are that's Thirty what, Rock. Guys, this yep. is the Fun the Cooker is real. Is is amazing. Here comes the Fun Cooker. But yeah, so that's what happened. We got sued by uh, Pam and Angela, and that's that's why we're shutting down. Yeah, we well, also. I'm glad that know, we were able to talk about that. If I <laughs> if I had an unlimited amount of time, I would go back and make sure that every episode we've done has an office reference because I think it does probably. But we've I never think every conversation directly... we have has an office reference, so I think that's a safe bet. But we've never yeah. actually directly talked about the show. <laughs> And why we like yeah. it and what's great about it. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> so here we go. What better yeah. way to end a movie podcast than to talk about a TV show? <laughs> I guess I hadn't thought about it that way. But it is what it is. And uh, there's a fly flying around me right now. And I'm going to beat this donkey sometime during this podcast. <laughs> so if you hear a loud <laughs> smack followed by a gotcha, that's me getting that I fly. Want, Jake, I want you to cut nothing from this episode. I, I'm, <laughs> minimum effort is going into this edit. <laughs> like, like that. Um, all right, well, we're going to answer a question that, frankly, we never wanted to have to answer, but the fans have just demanded it. And um, we feel like it's time to give our personal opinion as the you know the the movie podcast named after movie theater snacks popcorn optional we feel like it is time to finally address the big biggest question regarding movies which is what's the best movie theater snack and i think trevor wanted to kick us off so i'm gonna do this a little bit in a different way than we normally do our rankings i'm gonna start with number one my number one best movie theater snack and it is Put the dang food away. Watch the movie. It's too expensive. It makes noise. Nobody cares. Eat beforehand. Eat afterwards. Stop eating. Stop drinking at movies. Thank you. Thank you. And that includes the very existence of an entire (laughs) restaurant industry. Yes. Whatever you movie tavern, studio movie grill, Alamo Draft House. It's fine if I've seen a movie four or five times. We're going to drink a pitcher of beer together and laugh at it and quote along with it. That's fine. But I am not going to see Annihilation while someone's ordering chicken wings next to me. You should be able to punch people <laughs> in the face for that. What is that? I, I wish, I wish that Alex Garland would come punch movies. people in the face. I do love my serious movies with like a good dose of you know, chips crunching in my ear. Because what's louder than popcorn, but chips and queso. It's like it's it's like those commercials where the people answer their phone. Yes. It it's fine if you want to have candy, it's fine if you want to have like pop like popcorn is relatively quiet, but it's the candy in the incredibly loud plastic wrapper. 
And that, that, that for some reason in any quiet emotional scene, there's like a little devil sitting on that person's shoulder, like re- reach into the bag right now. While, while the main character's dying, you should reach into that plastic bag right now. <laughs> I've it's been guilty infuriating. of this. Cameron it dropped also, a whole thing also... of popcorn kernels from the top floor. <laughs> <laughs> In my defense, Gwen Stacy had just died, and I was Spoilers. shook. Okay, it's also... there's been a whole nother Spider-Man series that's come out since then. <laughs> the kind of that's two. That's come and gone in the MCU <laughs> universe. So... So yeah, I, not spoilers. Yeah, it's it's also this is like a super, like super elitist thing of me to say, but eating, go being able to eat during a, an emotional part of a movie or something that's hard to handle is inappropriate catharsis. You're not <laughs> supposed to, you're not supposed to reach comfort within that moment of a film. Mm. Otherwise, you might as well not even watch it. Ever, I feel is. like we've We're given too so much time deep. to this topic. We're alienating people out here tonight. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but if I've, let's let's just say if you had to have a, a movie snack, what's your it's go-to? Popcorn. popcorn. That's the only thing you should ever get at a movie theater. And if you buy candy at a movie theater, that's just idiotic because you should buy it beforehand and sneak it into the movie. Theater. Buy that yes. junk at the grocery store for like eighty-eight cents and stick it you in your, it? your back pocket. Come on. Did you get the fly cam? <laughs> I felt it on my hand, but I don't, and I don't see it flying around. But I also don't see it dead. See, here's so, a here's a tip at home for all you listeners. This is free and nothing to do is with it the movies, clap above. You got to clap above the fly. If you clap above, you want to know fly, who I learned that from? The fly flies up into the clap. Who'd you learn that from? I learned that from Jake Brown himself. That's right. <laughs> Back in college, they, they they call me the fly killer. It's yeah. it's it's a massacre over at our house every summer, but um, I agree with the popcorn. I we were supposed to review Godzilla Kings of Monsters or whatever it was called. The movie was hot garbage. Um, didn't work out for our schedules, which is one of the reasons why we're not doing this anymore. Um, but I was I had gotten back from a long weekend trip. My wife was busy that day. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to the movies and just watch a, a dumb action movie big screen imax let's do it and i got a big bucket of popcorn and a big old ice cold coca-cola and <laughs> it it was an enjoyable experience guys it was it was a, like big dumb a, movie popcorn that's there's nothing like it it's one of the truly american experiences i think yeah that that whole combination being able to upgrade your drink for 25 cents to a 44 ounce right right to a gallon <laughs> dude have you seen those cut like uh, this is a child size how would that be a child size? it's the size of a liquefied child that's <laughs> Ayo. already got one parks and rec reference there we go there we go there we go all right so let's switch things a little bit and let's talk about what each of our favorite episodes of popcorn optional was i I might have spoiled mine a little bit because I accidentally sent out the full show notes, (laughs) including all of my analysis, instead of just sending out the topics. And I said mine was Annihilation. So, blah, 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 spoilers. That's that's also mine. As everyone knows, that's definitely my favorite movie that we've reviewed on this podcast. The only thing that's close is Blade Runner 2049, which is another... 
total masterpiece. Um, but Annihilation is a perfect movie. It's a classic movie. It's one of the five or ten best movies of the 21st century. And we also did a had a really, I think, interesting conversation about talking about why we liked it and what the meaning of it is. And it was it was our most like literary episode, I think in some ways. Um, but I, I really enjoyed making that episode, um, because I got to talk about one of my favorite movies ever, but, but I think, I think we did a really good job. I agree. I think that that was definitely our best, like analysis of film that we've done on the, on the podcast. I'm going to go in the other direction. (laughs) I think one of my favorite, just like (laughs) talking about a movie experience was King Arthur. (laughs) <laughs> oh man that was, that was like garbage. our third or fourth episode wasn't it that that was so I think fun it's third. that was so fun to just rip a movie like that and um i also am gonna say we have been really fortunate i think to have some pretty epic like cultural milestones happen while we were doing this podcast um uh-huh. you know star wars like the marvel cinematic universe like we well, did Avengers two Endgame. separate episodes on endgame yeah we watched like, it twice I, I think, and reviewed it again I, I don't I don't know if our reviews or our, our commentary on Avengers Endgame is super interesting or, or great, but just like the fact that we got to like basically do this podcast in the culmination of the biggest cultural moment in maybe like the last thirty years, that was pretty cool. I think I, I thought about this for a little bit of like I think it'll be cool or horrifying someday for my son to be like Oh, Dad, you got to see Avengers Endgame? And he'd be like, I sure did. You want to listen to a podcast I did with my two <laughs> friends about it? <laughs> uh, but just the idea of, I think, being able to like catalog our thoughts in the moments has always been entertaining and has always kind of provided something pretty unique. I will say, like, I think Annihilation was our best just because I think that for each of us, it provoked such a response um in us each creatively that we all kind of did our hardest and did our best analysis on that because we were so inspired by that piece of art i also and, um, spent the most time thinking about it because i couldn't stop thinking about it <laughs> right and it, i would say of the movies that we reviewed on this podcast it's the most unique i would almost venture to say that if there is any other movie on this podcast we could point to like point to an episode and we could probably point you to another movie we review that's pretty similar. I would venture to say we there has not been anything like Annihilation and there won't be anything like Annihilation for a while to come. Except for maybe Ad Astra this upcoming weekend which has been compared to Annihilation, but we'll see. Anyways. Um I don't know how much you guys want to talk streaming wars because there is a whole lot and it's a whole bunch of garbage. Well, I do let's, I do have talk big news to share and that's that I okay. dropped Netflix after like 10 years of being a subscriber. Whoa. So my wife and I there. actually just had a conversation before we started recording that when Disney Plus comes out and The Office and Parks and Rec leave in 2020, we will probably drop Netflix. Yep. Agreed. Yep. We haven't really talked about it or done it, but I am thinking that's what's going to happen. Because between Disney Plus, Disney Plus just released their list of movies. You can go look that up. Their list of movies and TV shows is has got to be like a couple hundred movies and TV shows long. This is it's this insane. Is, this is I know we talked about this and we kind of thought this was going to happen, but you know when they released the six dollar price point or whatever it is, 
people were like, wow, I can't believe it's that cheap. But what they did by putting all of the classic movies on this is that everyone who has a child under the age of 12 is going to subscribe to this. Like literally everyone. And for the first time since Netflix began, they have lost subscribers in America. Like it, no. th- like there is a downturn. I am a trendsetter. Netflix. I started this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just mind blowing. Like all these different streaming services out there, and I think I saw a tweet today, and it was kind of like a sarcastic, joking tweet. But it's like the market can't support every single media platform having their own streaming service, and it can't. I, like that's, I I think it might be able to. As long as everything keeps things, as long as the exclusivity remains and people make things. But are you going to pay $5 for NBC Peacock, $5 for CBS, $5 for Disney, no, $5 for... No, but there for... are a bunch of people that are going to drop cable that pay the like $140 a month cable bill for every channel. And they're going to sign up for seven of these streaming services, still save money and be happy about it. Yeah, I get that. But it's just like the whole Apple TV thing. Hey, to me, already sees seems. I I have Apple. Hey, ridiculous. I have Apple TV for free for the next year. How? So, because if you buy a Apple device right now, they give it to you for oh. free. Vertical integration, according to Jack Donaghy. That's what that's that right. Is. That's vertical that's integration. We are slaves to the NBC sitcoms. In case you haven't <laughs> guessed that already, um, which should make us huge fans of Peacock, but no. I refuse to subscribe to something that paid $600 million for Big Bang Theory. Oh my God. gosh. Oh my, that hurt me. You Like that actually hurt me. What I you have just to said. tell you that, that number is maybe lower than I would have thought. I didn't know it was for sale, but I would have thought it'd be closer to the one B. I wonder if CBS has realized that no one who is not going to die in the next 20 years likes it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. So you you got to get that money while you can. While you can. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I literally don't know a single person that watches that show. I I know people's parents who watch that show. Exactly. Um. I guess the last thing within the streaming wars topic is the fact that J.J. Abrams turned down five hundred million dollars from Apple TV Plus and took a two hundred and fifty million dollar deal, half of it. To go with Warner Bros. and Wait, HBO Max. So and that's, he, he did this on purpose, right? Like it wasn't an accident? Yes. <laughs> like he turned them no. down and thought he was going to get more? It was no. a $500 million exclusive deal. Like they would own J.J. Right. Abrams, basically. Oh, see, that he made the right call. You don't give up your junk. Especially well, when you're Apple, that good. I've, supposedly the big thing is, you know, Apple. J.J. is a huge proponent of releasing movies in theaters, and Apple hadn't committed to how what their release model was going to look like yet and so he supposedly netflix was in the running too and he was just outright like yeah i'm not gonna do netflix because i'm not gonna you know give up putting movies on screens right so seems like a good move for me here's what's sort of starting to happen and it's it's a little bit more with ips than with humans but this is almost like we're going back to the studio star system. Yes. Um, of like the 20s, 30s, 40s, mm. where you're, except it's, I think it's going to be with filmmakers because we know that filmmakers are kind of the big names now. We don't have movie stars that just carry things. It's it's about who makes the films. 
Um, and I, I think I think we're part of that as much as anyone else is. Um, but you know, I, we see. I think we're, we're. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a shock if we see like Steven Spielberg signs four movie deal with this, and then they're going to keep on getting longer and more lucrative and all of these kind of things. And well, you know um, who started I, all of this, right? Uh, I don't know. Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> the revolutionary it's Adam true. Sandler. Oh, it hurts because it's true. That's true. How Who? many movies was his deal with Netflix? It was initially four, and then I think he re-upped it. But that's just movies that through Happy Madison, because right. there's movies like Uncut Gems, which is the Safdie Bros, um, that just premiered at Toronto that... Somebody screamed out, apparently, after the screening, give Sandman the Oscar. So <laughs> take from that what you will. But if you've seen Good Times, you know that the Safdie bros can direct one heck of a movie. We are, we are not shy around here as liking serious Adam Sandler much more than we like funny Adam Sandler. I'm not shy about liking funny Adam Sandler. You know I'm, what? I'm Episode 103, it. the finale. Let's get into this. Sandman, it's best movie ever what is it funny people Ooh. okay 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 jake uh i don't know i i'm not a big adam sandler person Ugh, you disgust I, me. give me give me a if second the answer, i gotta think about it there's big daddy there's happy no. gilmore there's billy madison mr deeds i'm talking i'm talking Wedding non singer. non-serious don't don't go punch truck love my Orowitz, any rain over me don't go any of those truly not truly non-serious is wedding singer for me uh, uh I like wedding that's, singer. that's pretty good that's pretty good maybe jack and jill oh. uh, no i'm oh kidding gosh. i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> uh, that would be so bad all right and that's all we have for tonight's show um that's been we it we've enjoyed uh, talking to you guys and uh ended here I think that's the last thing that should ever be said on this podcast is that Jake's favorite Adam Sandler movie is Jack and Jill. Good night. I, I will say, I remember for some reason I saw click as a kid and it like really affected me. <laughs> click it's is a, a really, really terrifying idea. It's a really interesting concept. Yeah. Um, so I in guess the right click. hands, it could be a really terrifying sci-fi dystopian film. Yeah. If PTA had directed that, like if he had done like, Punch Drunk Love and then Click. That oh movie gosh. would be terrifying. If, if PTA directed Click, you'd want to like kill yourself after watching it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You also probably gracious. would have gotten like Joaquin Phoenix or something in the lead, which wouldn't have been nearly as good as Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh my God. That sentence has never been said before. <laughs> it has not. And uh, I'm happy to be breaking down barriers on the finale of this episode of this series, episode series, episodic series. There you go. Nailed it. There we go. <laughs> um, well, it is that time. Let's get into our top 10. No, it is not. You idiot, Cameron. What are you doing? Ugh. Ugh. All right. We have to talk We've the menchiest menches. The menchiest of menches. We've had a segment, if you've listened to us before called Honorable Menches, where we honor people who we feel go above and beyond in their craft. And by what we're looking for in Honorable Menches is always the people who, if we knew nothing about a movie other than the fact that they were involved in that movie, would we go see it solely based on that? 
So if all we knew about a movie was that Adam Sandler was involved, is that enough to make you go see the movie? No. In the past, we've... We, okay, well, don't hit him while he's down, Jake, okay? <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is, that's, that's mean. In the past, what, the criteria has just kind of been that blind test, but then followed by all three of us must agree, as well as this person must have been in or worked on five films. So really quickly, shout out to people like Ryan Coogler, who you would have gotten in if we had just, this podcast had lasted longer, but... And also shout out to Taylor Sheridan, who would have gotten in if Sicario 2 wasn't so terrible. Or if Yellowstone wasn't so terrible. He had two major misses in a row. But tonight we are determining El Presidente de los Menchitos, or the <laughs> Menchiest of Menches, El Mencherito. How Menchi many different languages the... did you just use in that sense? Uh, a couple. I was going to try and do a Japanese one, a Turkish one, Canadian, and then I also had an Australian one, but we'll just cut that for time. Australian so, is not a language. Um, clearly, you've never been to the Outback, mate. <laughs> uh, the restaurant so let's go or the, ahead. the country? <laughs> the, the restaurant, mate. You ever gotten a Bloomin' Onion in the Outback? I can't say. Do. Steak, potatoes. All sorts of crazy things. This is, this is more Cockney than Australian, I'm going to be real with you. Uh, you don't understand world culture, Trevor. You don't understand literature. Trevor, so. you ignorant <laughs> slut. Listen. <laughs> it had to be said. It had to be said. Um, so here, here's what I want to ask you guys. If you had to pick one person who is the menchiest of menches, they are completely blind. All you see is... You know, because there's people that we put in that I would be, you know, I would say are menches, but there's there's another league above the mench above honorable menches, and that's what I'm trying to get at. Who is the menchiest of menches as of September 18th, 2019? So one of these people could pull a Shyamalan, and then we're gonna look like real idiots down the road. But as of today, <laughs> this person is the menchiest of mench in your book. Who's going I, first? I had to think about mine for a second, but once I thought of it, it's of course this person. This is a director. Every film that I've seen of his was my favorite film that I saw from the year that it was made. And he is the wonderful French Canadian man, Denis Villeneuve, mm. who mm. makes mm. astoundingly beautiful films wonderful works of science fiction and hard reality. Um, and I'm super excited about his version of Dune that's coming up. I think it's going to be something really special, but for him, he could, it could literally be Denis Villeneuve directing Adam Sandler drives mm. a school bus. <laughs> and mm. I would, I would go see that movie. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have dreams about that film later tonight. So thank you for providing that visual, <laughs> Trevor. Man, the Sandman is getting a lot of coverage on tonight's episode. Yeah, that's that's yeah. regrettable. We're going to have to put a stop to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I think there's, for me, there's like a couple people that would really be up there. And I think Denis is pretty high on that list. Just because of the films that he's crafted, I think... 
are untouched. And Trevor, you hit it on the head. Every year that he's put out a movie, it's been a movie that's been one of the best films of that year. So Denis is a menchiest of mensch. Jake, who who would you say is your menchiest of menches? Ooh, man, this is this is a, such a difficult question because honestly, it changes like from week to week. <laughs> um, Depending on I, which Adam Sandler film you've watched that week, yeah, really. And <laughs> once again, guys, Jack and Jill. I mean, what a freaking masterpiece! Um, right. Al Pacino. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, I'm gonna go with someone who might be a little unexpected, who doesn't get quite the credit I think he deserves. Um, and I'm going to go the cinematography route, Roger Deakins, anything Roger Deakins Mm. shoots is the most beautiful film of the year. Um, he only, he's at that point of his career where he's picking really interesting projects and really interesting directors to work with. Um, and so if I, if I see Roger Deakins is attached to something, I'm going to go see it. Um, he even does like consulting for things like, DreamWorks animation, How to Train Your Dragon, which I think has some of the best lighting in an animated film ever, you know? So um, the guy is incredibly talented. He's getting up there in years, but he's only making better stuff and working harder. And I'm excited to see what he does for the rest of his career. Um, he's he's the best cinematographer alive currently, in my opinion. Look, there's a reason why this list was started. <clears throat> and it's because of a man who has gone above and beyond and has even had movies that have flopped, but have still, I knew going into them were going to be not his best work, but I was going to go see it regardless because he was involved. And for me, there's one man who's the menchiest of menches, and that is none other than, wow, way to just (laughs) sweep the rug right out from under me. Yes, of course it's Adam Sandler. 51st Dates. 51st Dates. Uh, I mentioned Fifty First Dates with Drew Barrymore. Gosh, that is a that is a heartbreaker. Goodness. <laughs> no, movie. it's none other than Steven Spielberg. He is the person who I nominated on the very first episode, and no matter what the man puts out, I will be in the theaters opening weekend to see a Spielberg film because he has crafted my childhood. He has crafted so many great movies for me that uh, I can never. If I was to ever meet him, I feel like he is the one true person that I would just completely fangirl over and probably cry. He so, is to you, one, Mr. Spielberg, please never run into me. He's, that's right. he's one of the best storytellers in human history. I don't think that's like hyperbole to say. No. He, and, 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 and there are people who did as much as him, but no one did more than him to create the modern big budget film and what it is so yeah nothing but respect always um i think we picked three really good really good choices for minchiest yeah the only other acceptable answers would be christopher nolan or michael b jordan (laughs) oh michael b jordan make him literally in everything literally in every movie he's apparently on some new netflix tv show called dion's powers Okay. I think he plays a kid's dad. It looks almost like Superman, but like I wonder if uh from a younger kid. If if him being on a Netflix original series is why they had to raise the price the last time they did. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to cover that Michael B Jordan money. Um yeah, so let's get to our top 10 episodes of The Office of all time. 
And obviously, we love this show. We've talked at length about it. Before we get into our top 10 episodes, though, I kind of want to do a couple of quick things. So one of which is, uh, as I was talking to my wife about this last night, I, uh, the, the interesting thing came up of like, there are episodes in which there are moments that I love, but the episode isn't one of my favorite episodes. Yes. When you have, you know, like, how many episodes of The Office are there? Is there like 200 something? 201. 201, yeah. So when you have 200 episodes, you know, there's, and you're trying to just narrow it down to 10, you have some pretty great options. But there are moments that are above and beyond, even if the episode isn't great. So what are your guys, some of your guys' favorite moments from The Office? Um, my favorite, this is going to surprise you guys maybe, I, I have thought about, the, the, the Office like to open its show with, um, with a lot of cold opens. Um, and a lot of times they didn't even tie into what the rest of the episode was doing, especially, you know, like the Jim Dwight pranks, all that kind of thing. But my favorite cold open did tie in to the episode and it is the beginning of stress relief where Dwight starts a fire <laughs> and people go absolutely insane. I almost cry laughing every time when Oscar climbs in the ceiling and Angela throws the cat up and then Oscar falls down through the ceiling again. The whole thing is it's 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 perfect it's what what an amazing way to start an episode of television oh <laughs> <laughs> um, man there's, there's are we gonna like switch cold... off when we do this i have a list of like seven things <laughs> trevor why don't you run through some of yours just run through the list um i also love i love the song that they'd come up with for the local ad I think it's one of the moments that shows like the true heart of the show and that these are, these are real people and they really actually like each other, even though sometimes they hate each other. Um, And and the moments like that are what brings in everything else and reigns in the craziness and the absurdity. Um, uh, The best use of the, that's what she said joke is in the episode, (laughs) the deposition when the, court recorder is reading it back to michael <laughs> and 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 the lawyer doesn't get it at all and michael's like, oh, she's butchering it that's my favorite that's what she said moments um i love the idea of wolf because i think we're like weirdly inching closer to it i maybe i somehow um i love that idea i love the character of robert california and i like him more mm. every time that I watched the show. It's really a, an, a unique and genius character in a lot of ways. Um, and then my last little tidbit that I love is just, I want to talk about is that um, who has two thumbs and hates Todd Packer and it's everyone. <laughs> it's all of us. We all hate yes. Todd Packer. We are united in that. Yes. Good, Jake. Good, good list. Um, Man, I didn't make an honorable mentions list because it would just be too long. Uh, this oh, is that wasn't even my honorable mentions list. That was just things that I liked. Yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> I think my favorite show of all time. I mean, I, it, the the list of favorite shows changes on a weekly basis, but this oh, I like this is like you get home and you put on that fuzzy blanket and you're just you're just there. You know, you're home. That's that's the office to me. Um, I love this show. Even even in the down seasons, even in the down times, um, it's still so much funnier than ninety eight percent of the other crap that's on television. Um, I I just I love the writing, the characters, like the the development of 
the story arcs of characters like like Toby and and Stanley and like <laughs> uh, like Tallahassee Stanley and Florida Stanley is just such a funny <laughs> little character moment. Um, and then like the integration with newer characters later on, like like a character like Gabe and and, and Toby, like putting those two weird <laughs> characters together in a room is just so funny. Where Gabe is talking about how. Uh, I got a new relationship. Her name is Val. What's her last name? I'll tell you her last name tomorrow because she'll be screaming it tonight. <laughs> She's going to be screaming her own last name. Like just stuff like that. That's just so funny. Oh, man. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that Michael Scott is one of the greatest characters of all time. And um, yeah. it, it's it's just he's perfect. He he is perfect. Um yeah, I could. It's a I show could that definitely couldn't be made today. Forever. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, there, there's two real moments that I think are the greatest moments of this show, but um, there's a couple of things I want to get to before then. There's three kind of like cold opens or jokes that make me laugh every time. One is the KGB joke, which is the <laughs> <laughs> just pure great Jim you know joking on dwight there's the jim dressing as dwight which is something that like when you think about it is like why didn't this happen sooner but then it happens perfectly there is the um randall park showing up and acting as if he's Jim. jim oh my god yes so good yes with even the family picture being like Uh. randall park's kids Oh, um, and then there's the gym in the ho- in their hotel room in Florida playing dead <laughs> in the closet and saying <laughs> blame Dwight or whatever it says on the wall of like why uh, he's dead. Um, but I think when you boil this series down to if if I was to try and like get the essence of this show down into two moments, there are two moments that transcend everything else on this show. And they're moments that capture not only like the witty aspects of the show, the comedy aspects, but also the heartfelt, um, deep, serious tones and kind of show. Because if this if this was just a comedy, it'd be one thing. But I think the reason why we all love it so much is because it brings in real life personal things that resonate with us so deeply. And those two moments uh, we'll get into more as we go throughout our lists, but they're Jim and Pam's wedding. Um, and how they tackled that, because I think that's something that so many different people expected to be one thing. And then they threw a curveball one way and then threw another curveball another. Like it was, it ended up being like two different things that you didn't expect, but what it ended up being was completely perfect. And then there is, um, Michael proposing to Holly because mm-hmm. nothing has captured the love of everybody, the love that everybody has for Michael more than that moment, and also like the heart of that character more than that moment. So mm-hmm. those are my um, top moments. But if you guys had to pick one of the best characters of the show that's not one of the main five, and by the main five I mean Michael, Dwight, Jim, Pam, and Andy, even though Ryan was in the titles, I don't consider him a main character because he never – really did much um (laughs) or too much right yeah he was just a main writer which is why he was in the credits exactly so if you had to pick one character that's the best 
background character, you know, supporting character, who is that character? There is only one answer. <laughs> there is only one answer. That's why I asked yeah. to clarify when you told us this, Cam. Because I was going to have trouble if it was like a guest star, recurring role, someone we see occasionally. Think Jim Carrey. If it's... <laughs> <laughs> Finger Lakes guy. He's. I think he's credited as Finger Lakes guy. I think that's what the character <laughs> is. He really? Is. Oh, um, that's amazing. So, no, the 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 best character is the character who has the greatest ratio of laughs to screen time in the history of television. <laughs> and there is only one of these people that's ever existed and will ever exist, and it is Creed Braddon. I will accept no other yep. answers. I one hundred percent agree. My dad just recently watched through the entire series of The Office, which was a such a treat to like I, I've watched The Office too many times, like probably at least twelve times all the way through. And <laughs> to to experience it through the eyes of someone that has never seen it at all was like such a joyous thing. And like every day he would text me like Creed just did this. Oh my God. Can you believe this? There was a guy like this in my office that was just crazy. And he didn't even tell me the story. <laughs> but um, Creed Branton is one of the best random characters ever. Um, I mean, just like the Halloween episode where he walks in covered in blood. He's like, oh, today's Halloween. That's, uh, that's really convenient. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> Stuff like or that. the murder it's episode where like, there's yeah. been a murder. Okay, let me put my stuff down and I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> you just see him uh, sprinting, zips away. Um, God, <laughs> it's just it's so funny. He's so. Funny. I made love to many women back in the 1970s, often <laughs> in the swamps and marshlands, and uh, possible that a man might have slipped in there. <laughs> also, also, some of the stuff that he says is like actually true. Did you know that? Yeah. Like some of the things that he says is like he's like that's actually like Creed Bratton what he's done in his life. Like he yeah, was right. really in, in the band, the grassroots, that yeah. video that you sent the other day, Jake, like some of those things are true. <laughs> Who knows what isn't, is not true. I think apparently, that's part of the beauty of the character. Apparently he wasn't originally like a written character, but the producers just like liked him and they're like, let's just like put him in and just see kind of what happens. <laughs> <laughs> The image whenever somebody like talks about Creed that pops up in my head is the image where like Dwight trying to outwit Pam as she's pregnant and she ends up throwing up and then everybody starts throwing up and it's a quick <laughs> cut to Creed and he's just eating ramen noodles in the corner <laughs> looking around like what's going on? I also quality, love when uh, quality, Pam's trying quality. to get the new chair and he's like, if Pam gets a new chair, I get her chair. That gives me two chairs. Only one more to go. <laughs> Never addresses it again. He doesn't need to. Well, I mean, everybody knows what the, what the three chairs are for. Um. Okay. Let's. If so, Jake, you said you don't have honorable mentions. Trevor, let's get into what are some of the honorable mentions. Just run through a quick list. Okay. So, of what they are and then maybe like why they didn't make it. I want to talk about only one Christmas episode ended, ended up in my top 10, but n no show has consistently done a series of hol single holiday episodes as good as these. Every Christmas episode is good and has mm -hmm. something really interesting to it. It feels like a really interesting point. Um, so Dwight Christmas, including uh, Belschnickel and Impish or Admiral is in my honorable mentions. Um, the original Christmas party with the messed up gift exchange on the iPod is in there. Um, 
the Niagara episode with Jim and Pam's wedding, um, the Michael Scott's Dunder Mifflin, Meredith Palmer, Rabies Awareness, Fun Run Race for the Cure. I think I didn't do it quite right, but that's in there. The Office Olympics, which I think is one of the most pure distillations of what this show is and why we love it. Um, Casino Night, because it has a lot of interesting things that happen. The deposition for reasons that I already said, and then the search, which is the one where Jim leaves Michael in the bathroom and Michael walks around Scranton and they have to find him based on figuring mm-hmm. it out. And it's a really interesting expose into the person of Michael Scott and a really different kind of episode than what the show does for a lot of its. And run. it's also, it's probably one of the most unique ways. It's probably like the way that they develop a connection between Michael and Holly, even though they're never in the same place. Right. Mm-hmm. It's right. so unique. Yes. I've never seen anything like that. Um, okay. Some of the episodes that popped up in my honorable mentions, uh, booze cruise, the drug testing oh, yeah. episode. Yep. Booze cruise should have been in mine. Love it. Uh, the fun run survivor man when Michael goes off and does his, uh, <laughs> own time out in the wilderness. Uh, um, I've tinted my pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, about 3 p.m. based on where the sun is. Really feeling the heat coming down now. <laughs> uh, there's the pool party episode at Robert California's place. Oh, my gosh. Place. Yes. The most Robert and then California. There, there's one episode that I think I have more respect for more than I like. And that is the Scott's Tots episode. Oh, I can't. Oh, no, you, you coward. It's not in your you, top ten. There's no half ep- half hour episode of TV that has ever made me cringe more than that half hour. It I can't watch it. Is, it is one of the gold standards of comedy in the 21st century. It is. It's astounding. so hard to watch, and that's why I couldn't put it in there. But it's like it needs to be respected and paid homage to. And Trevor, by this, I'm. I well, I know because I've seen your guys' lists. I'm happy that you put it in there. Oh yeah, but it's in the I, top ten. I just. If I'm going to like show, so, like I just, it's one of those things that it's so hard to watch that I, I can't put it on my favorites list. I respect it more than I like it. Agreed. So um, let's start with our number ten for each of us. And uh, well, okay, my number ten is the finale, which ends up being higher on somebody else's list. In this, uh, well, it's technically the AARM assistant to the assistant regional manager and finale <laughs> episodes altogether episodes 22 to 25 of season nine that'll be talked about later um but jake why don't you t- get us into your top 10 yeah my uh my 10th favorite episode is the convict uh where you know you have the merger of the new, of the two branches uh and you've got martin nash the uh the african-american male not all african-americans <laughs> have gone to prison you know, you racist. Um, but just like the the chaos that ensues and Michael's just like idiotness of like, oh, just the way that he thinks that people would rather be in prison than office until he <laughs> makes the office like prison. And also I the think... The Dementors. Yeah, you have one of the best Michael Scott character moments ever of prison Mike. Oh my oh, gosh. Man. Every time... I see that episode. I laugh so hard at that prison mic moment. Uh, don't drop the soap. Don't drop the soap. You, you, my friend, would be the bell of the ball. Oh, just it, so it, good. The satire in this is well ahead of its time. 
so yeah, far well ahead, ahead of its time. time. So like, ah, oh, I, ne- I I kidnapped the president's daughter and I never got kid. I never got caught neither. <laughs> well, well, clearly you, you did because. <laughs> Look, uh, if this top ten is just us quoting each of our favorite episodes. I want you guys to know I'm 100% fine with that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that one. It's it. what it okay. is. But I, I think that, like, you have some of the best Michael Scott moments in terms of, like, funny, but also seeing into the character of Michael Scott of just wanting to be liked so much that he hurts everybody around him. Um, I think it's, like, such an interesting way to look into that character while still being absolutely hilarious. So that's why it's my number 10. Awesome. Um, Trevor, your number ten. Uh, my number, my number ten is the last episode in season three. Um, season three is really a seminal point in the show. I think. I think it's when the show declared that it was a real thing and was going to stay around. Um, I started watching in the middle of season three. Um, I think Benihana Christmas was actually the first episode I ever saw, and I was hooked. Oof, of course, that's a good place to start, um, my friend. Yeah. So, and by <laughs> by that point, by six months later, you sounded like uh, Trevor, uh, Dwight's friend. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good safe for that? You tell me. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so I so I saw Benihana. This is a kind of a roundabout way to get here. So I saw Benihana Christmas, um, acquired. Um, was able to find picking through the DVR search function, the rest of season three bought season one and two on DVD. And so by the time season three, the end of season three, the job came around, I was watching it live had completely caught up and season three is the most rewarding ending of a television episode of all time. You finally get what you've wanted for so long and it just is perfect. Like the, the episode has a lot of other great things, um, but it's the episode at the end of season three in which Jim finally decides he doesn't want to live in New York. He doesn't want to date a Karen Filippelli and he wants to <laughs> go out with Filippelli. <laughs> the, the way that they shot this, I know everyone knows that Jenna Fisher didn't actually know like what the line was going to be and how it was going to work when they were shooting. But the joy in her eyes is to this day still so wonderful and mm-hmm. it just it's kind of what seals like the jim and pam thing forever for me is is that moment and um and yeah i just love that episode i think it all culminates in some interesting ways there's some other great things um we get an appearance by hunter who is who is wonderful you know but um but yeah i just i love that episode um, okay, well, let me talk about my number nine and how disappointed I am that neither of you had this episode in your top ten because no episode gives us insight into the head of Michael Scott more than Threat Level Midnight. Uh, how yeah. is this not included on your guys' top tens? This is this is the Michael Scott episode, his masterpiece that he's taken four years to make and five relationships pretty much anybody that's ever been in the office is in this episode it is one of the greatest works of art that has ever happened threat level midnight Dwig. you jump to the left and you shake that hand you jump to the right and you shake that hand <laughs> if doing yeah. the scarred is gay oh my god you couldn't make the office today that's all i'm gonna say um you could not that one is more fun than anything really lasting yes. or or impressive but i do love it 
it is I agree. I it's it's great that they were that they were able to actually pull that together and make it that way. Yeah. It's a fun episode that I think, like you said, is a great look into the mind of Michael Scott. But when you look at like the overall story arc and all the other character development that happens in other episodes, for me, it's like a fun little segue. You know, it's it's not a an integral part of the story. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Jake, what is your number nine? Back from vacation. You oh have, gosh. You have a. Uh, <laughs> Michael and Jan go into Sandals, Jamaica. Uh, actually, it wasn't. All it was inclusive. Urkel Grew. It, it wasn't Jan. It was a German woman named Urkel Grew. And <laughs> you know what that means? Oh, the, feeling the, hot, hot, hot. Uh, the sending out of the photo, the steel drum, the the luau oh, in the drum. warehouse, the tw- <laughs> the thirty foot printout of the topless photo of Jan. Michael, Kevin Michael taking with, that photo. Michael with three Rasta beads and one little strand of hair. Uh, just such an amazing it character might be episode like, that also has like really big implications in terms of like relationships and Michael and Jan's relationship. And it's just fantastic. It's, it's maybe like the low point of Michael Scott's self-awareness. Yes. It's like the absolute low point. Oh, so good. I sent it to Packer. Nope. Wait packaging oh <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then like a hard cut to sprinting down the hallway <laughs> how do i photoshop you out of this oh man <laughs> oh packer you were always there for some of the most awkward uncomfortable lines um okay um all of our number or mine and trevor's number eights are both can be talked about later so trevor's number eight it, my my number nine. Is that what you oh, mean? Trevor's number nine. Okay, Trevor, your number nine will be talked about later okay. on as well. Okay. But what is your number nine? Uh, my number nine is the Dundies. I feel God in this Chili's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> number number eight is somehow by the grace of God only a Benihana Christmas, the first episode that I mm-hmm. ever saw. Mm-hmm. And I immediately it'll be talked about. It'll be talked understood about. what this was about. So, yeah, I think what really uh, this real quick, what really brought me into this show, what sold me, was the Dwight killing a goose bit at the hibachi <laughs> table. That's when I was like, "Yep, I can watch this. This is my speed." <laughs> uh, clean it in Michael your car. marking the arm of the girl. That oh my god, that is that is classic. Oh my, the goodness. girls being that different girls than they were talking girls to at the than, restaurant. Yes. yes. I thought it was a mistake the oh, first couple man. times. I didn't get it. Oh my god! I didn't god. get the joke at first. That's the beauty yes. of this show is you can watch it a thousand times, and every time you watch it, you catch a new joke. It's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, my number eight is the goodbye, Michael. The send off to Steve Carell's mm. amazing character, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Jake, what is your number eight? My number eight is customer survey. Um, I, I think it's you get a lot of kind of like the Jim and Pam long distance relationship, the Jim and Dwight rivalry, the the Kelly need to be liked, and then also how that relates to Michael's character of needing to be liked. <laughs> Where it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've eaten leftover guacamole. <laughs> I don't know why I make it in such large quantities. <laughs> Just... 
Oh my god, so funny. Um, and also you get the the classic uh William M. Buttlicker. Uh <laughs> Buttlicker. Our prices have never been lower. Um, it's just such a, a perfect episode and, and weaving all these different arcs together, uh, for an incredible comedy moments and also fantastic character development. And, uh, it's just one yeah. of those episodes that every time it comes on, I sit down and watch it cause it just makes me laugh. Yep. Um, all right, Jake, why don't you go into your number seven as well? Okay. My number seven is broke. Um, that is the... <laughs> I think that is the best Michael Scott paper company episode. And so I'm using this kind of to address the entire Michael Scott paper company arc. Um, cause it is so good. It's so funny. Um, it, it is such great character development for Michael, but also Pam and Ryan, uh, were introduced to Idris Elba as Charles minor, who is so freaking good. I didn't know that Idris Elba was like British or another big actor for the longest time. I was like, whoever's playing this Charles minor guy, he's really good. He needs to be in more stuff. Um, and directed fan- by the man himself, Steve Carell. There you go. I mean, it's just such a fantastic, fantastic little, <laughs> little mini series within the series. And I think broke is the best episode. Hmm. Trevor, what is your number seven? My number seven is two episodes that are not sequential, but I put them together because it makes sense that way. And it is Garage Sale and Goodbye, Michael. Um, Garage Sale is the Hmm. one where Holly and Michael leave the office unlocked and everything gets stolen, so they hold a garage sale (laughs) to raise money for it, at which um, the, (laughs) the great like D story of the Dallas board game, which is amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. That's Dallas. But we also get the, the wonderful cam already touched on this, but, but Michael's proposal to Holly with the candles and the people and Amy Ryan is only in this show for like 12 episodes or something, but She's amazing. The character of Holly is amazing. Just the emotional weight that comes with all of this is so great. And then rolling that right into Goodbye, Michael, something else. Um, The Seasons of Love version for Michael that they sing makes me cry (laughs) every time. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Um, It's just, it's a fitting send-off for a character, but in true the true fashion of this show, they never let you wallow in that because they throw along with this and immediately after they throw the truly awful D'Angelo Vickers at you to remind you that that this show does not let you stay in any one direction for very long. So I Is think, it bad that I kind of have learned to love D'Angelo? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I tolerate I, D'Angelo. I find him funnier the more I watch it. Yeah, he's definitely gotten better over the years. Like the whole juggling skit is one of like the single like greatest like physical comedy bits on The Office ever. Also, yeah, there is a subreddit on Reddit, obviously called Dunder Mifflin, and the top post ever on there is someone animated actual juggling balls <laughs> in his hands including the bit where he's bouncing them off of phyllis's head and it is it is like why the internet exists so everybody it's, go watch that it's so good yeah 
My number seven is the first episode I ever watched, and that is it's from season one, episode five, Basketball. Mm. Good episode. And I think this is the first episode where you really kind of believe in Jim and Pam. You'll kind of find a theme throughout my list about like, okay, how does this relate to Jim and Pam? Because I think without them, this show is just another okay comedy um or pretty you know it's a good comedy but without that love story uh something very important is missing and i think basketball introduces that to us while also giving us some of the funniest bits especially from that first season and for me it really showed like the potential of what this series could be when it's firing on all cylinders just like the assumptions that michael makes about certain people's athletic abilities to <laughs> what Jim is able to actually do when he like tries as something to uh, how Pam feels about him to different characters and what they're able to do. I think it just contains so much and is our like earliest view and entry into what this show could really be when it's at its full potential. The shot I, of like Michael's shocked face and then the snap zoom to the wide <laughs> of Stanley dribbling with his hand like behind is one of like the best camera jokes camera work joke like the i think that's one of the most underappreciated parts about this show is the camera work is doing so much to sell the jokes the framing itself is is incredible yeah the cinematography the storytelling through the cameras and the zooms especially and and that is so hard to do to land those snap zooms like that um and there's so much personality and emotion conveyed in those uh that that for me was one of those episodes where i started watching the netflix i started watching the office on netflix um and i started with episode one and the basketball episode was one of those episodes where it was like man okay this show there's something here and even though the first season isn't great like i'm i'm in i'm down this is fantastic i want to take this moment to talk about um the wonderful shea serrano if you don't know has written a sort of ebook i guess called conference room five minutes with 10 essays about the office and it's twenty dollars it's worth every penny go buy it if you haven't shea serrano is great it's great um there's a, there's a chapter all about this episode where he scouts the talents and abilities of every every player, breaks down <laughs> what they're good at, what they're not good at, um, and and really and decides who the best basketball player is. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but um, Google just Google conference room five minutes, The Office, Shea Serrano, any of those words, um, and buy that. It's fantastic. All right, so Trevor, uh, why don't, why, while you're up there, why don't you let us know your number six? Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit later on in the episode. It's it's the last three episodes of the series. I think they all kind of go together, but especially AARM and the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake, what is your number six? Number six is Goodbye, Toby. I feel like Goodbye, Toby is one of those... It, it's like the center page of a book you know where you can kind of see the the spline of the book you have you have the beginning and you have the end on the left and on the right and goodbye toby i think is that episode for the office it's the beginning of the end of michael scott in in the best way possible um you also have 
just so many funny character moments with with Michael singing Goodbye Toby, the introduction of Holly, Jim wanting to propose to Pam, Andy Bernard ruining it, as always. Um, just so many funny character Jan. moments. Pregnant Jan, the surprise of that. What is Lamaze class? I don't know. I'll be there anyways. Um, Holly thinks Kevin is retarded. Just like so many funny Joe, it's just such a good episode, and it's so it's so pure. Toby turning aggressively. Does anybody have a camera? Nobody has a camera here. I'll go get one. <laughs> um, just such a great episode, and I think it is one of the. It's a turning point in the series, and um, it's just it's just great. And it's definitely kind of like the not to say there aren't like great moments from episode or from season four because. I think one of the best episodes in the series comes from season four, but season four was the writer's strike season. And so they kind of wrote it on short notice after like the writer's strike was over. And there's a lot of like hit or miss episodes in that season, but that's definitely like the like light at the end of the tunnel of like, okay, let's get back. Cause season two and season three are fantastic. And that's definitely like the light at the end of the tunnel. It'd be like, okay, let's get to season five. I think um, it's, it's when the show became what it would be instead of what it was mm. but like you're saying mm. jake I, I do think it's a really it's it is a real turning point of what the show there's there's definitely kind of a shift in feel mm-hmm. okay so my number six is trevor's number nine which is the dandes <laughs> which uh i i like this i'm gonna cut you off cam i like this episode because you know, season one is is great and it has some things there, but season one is really raw. And when you watch season one, you're kind of like, okay, this is interesting. It's got some good stuff. But if you don't know where it's going, this next episode is so polished and refined. And they really kind of brought in what this show was going to be. And at the same time, doing this hilarious gimmick where it just lets its funny people be funny. Um. Like I said, Jenna Fisher in this as a drunk person is <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Um, I mean, she just got unbanned from Chili's, like just this past <laughs> year. That's how drunk she was, guys. And I know I already said the quote, but the I feel God in this Chili's tonight is the <laughs> is one of my favorite quotes of the show. It's just, it's like, it's like part Friday Night Lights part your lame high school friends part something else i don't even really know what it is but it's just a perfect thing yeah i think like i said i I think it it really signals what is to come and what the show is it's it's one of those things where if i if you know if, if season one episode five is like showing the potential this is like the culmination of like here's what you're going to get on a weekly basis as an intro because it's season two episode one it's the intro to everything of what this show is going to be and especially with like this completely just like obscure idea like you have season one as a tester of like okay is there interest in this and then season two is like okay we have a full season order now let's go out there and then you make up like a fake award show and just go all out on this episode i mean it's it's such a brilliant idea and it's so perfectly executed from beginning to end. I, I, every time I watch this episode, I end up just like quoting 15 different things 
from it as soon as I'm done. It and it should mm-hmm. only work if you already know the characters, but it but right. it works even though you don't. And you feel like you know the characters already, even if this is the first time you've seen them. Not to mention, like, I thought about this more and more as the years have gone on, but, like, the idea of hosting an awards night for your company at a Chili's that's not, like, closed down. but like, Right. (laughs) But it's not closed down at all. It's just, like, everybody else is there doing their thing. You're just occupying a a corner of this place. Would be, like, the most Chili's thing to walk into. (laughs) Um, okay, well, uh, Jake, your number five is the job, which we've already talked about, unfortunately. It's okay. Um, I agree with everything. (laughs) Trevor, what is your number five? Because there are no rules and I make my own rules. I chose the whole Michael Scott paper company episode arc, which I think is six episodes. Um, (laughs) I and it really includes it's the kind of Charles Minor slash Michael Scott Paper Company arc, and I just I love this. I love the character development that we get from for Pam here, um, that and the character development we get from Michael and the the overarching experience of what happens to Michael is the maybe truest distillation of the character that we see, and that. He's he's like a bumbling anti-hero. Um and that he you like think he's kind of what you're not supposed to be and he's really dumb about it, but he also is a bit able to pull off pull off these amazing huge things from time to time, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not, and it just shows how ridiculous that is. Also, it has this like weird air of believability to it mm-hmm. that a company could pull this off. This is almost what MoviePass did except no one bought them. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's terrifying which so, also that's another reason dead? why we're shutting down guys I, I <laughs> there was another nda that we had to sign but we, we had to last as long as movie pass lasted and uh they shut down so we have to shut we down too we beat movie we beat them we beat them yeah this, so. the whole the whole sequence is really great and it 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 injects some life into the show and keeps it from getting stale i think I yeah. do love that Michael Scott, like as ridiculous and terrible of a boss as he is, this is like, there's so much humor and stupidity in this little mini series that they do, but also showing you that like, yo, Michael Scott is an incredible salesman because he cares about people so much. And it is that reminder that like, yes, he is an idiot, but he's like the most lovable idiot for a reason. And like, we're not just always making fun of him. Like he's actually has success. When I think it also solidifies a a very important relationship, which is that of Michael and Pam. I think up until this point, you know that there's like an affection between the two of them that they care for each other. But I think Pam leaving for Michael and then Michael also like believing in her and the way that that whole dynamic goes about in this series sets a tone for the rest of the time that Michael's on that episode of like who is Michael and who is Pam and what is their relationship. And like it even then leads into Michael's farewell of like the last person to say goodbye to him. And maybe the most important person is Pam. Pretty good stuff. Um, (laughs) Trevor, you went with a kind of cheat on number five. I did the same and I said that the fifth best episode of the office 
was any time they did a Christmas episode. Now, if you want, I have a ranking of those Christmas episodes in which the best one is season three's Benihana Christmas. Yep, no Then question. season two's Christmas Party. Season seven's Classy Christmas. Season nine's Dwight Christmas. Season five's Moroccan Christmas. Season eight's Christmas Wishes. And season six's Secret Santa. Now, I have a tradition where every year at Christmas, you know, most people watch Christmas movies. I do that as well. But I also watch these episodes in chronological order. And if you're a fan of The Office, it's really interesting to watch because you know what goes on between them. But especially between like seasons three and season five, there's this huge jump of like Jim's dating Karen and then Jim is engaged to Pam. And so you have this like huge jump. There's also a couple other things that happen like in between episodes that if you know and you're a fan of The Office are fun. But there's also some really important things and big character developments like holly comes back in one of these episodes it's just kind of this great like i almost look at it as like a link later before midnight type situation where like every year they come back and they revisit this office company um at christmas and it, it just it's such a perfect little glimpse into the show within seven episodes so yes i cheated who cares <laughs> Um, all right, season or episode four. For me, we all have different uh, number fours on our list. My number four episode is Casino Night. It is full of comedy bits. It's full of uh, Toby beating Michael. It's full of Jim and Pam interactions, and most importantly, Jim and Pam's kiss. And Jim stating that he's in love with Pam. You get Michael with his trying to juggle um jan and as well as carol is that her name yes oh who's actually his real life wife nancy carell um and then there's like there's several other bits that go on throughout this episode but i just think that it's it's such a perfect encapsulation and finish on maybe the best season of the office in season two if you want to like rank seasons but hmm. um yeah my number four is uh season two episode 22 casino night jake what is your number four episode number four for me is i think the beginning of the best season of the office and that is fun run um <laughs> just that cold open of michael driving and just talking about this is going to be a great year boom hits <laughs> meredith in the parking lot <laughs> <laughs> and just the whole rest of the episode is up uphill downhill it, it's both um <laughs> just the god it's so funny everything about it is so funny it also is um coming back from the cliffhanger of casino night and seeing jim and pam in a relationship the beginning of what will become uh a, a great relationship for for the show and it, it's just I think that that is where the show really hits its stride. Um, we also have and, Dwight killing Angela's cat by putting yep. it in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Mercy and kill. One of the, like something that my wife and I say to each other all the time, we always quote the show back and forth. But like before we go to the gym to work out, we'll be like time to carbo load. Like <laughs> uh, just another, another one of my Alfredo right before. Race. <laughs> oh my gosh. One of my favorite Michael Squat quotes is in here. The I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Oh, so just, good. Yep. <laughs> so funny. There's also like the whole idea of like the 5K 
ending just 5k from the office it's not a circle it's just like out (laughs) you run out and they're like oh okay (laughs) and then you also have like stanley uh whoever else that oscar stanley creed and oscar maybe who just like go get drinks and then go to the finish line (laughs) oh man yeah good episode good pick jake trevor what is your number four episode Oh, my number four is one of the one of the grandest examples of pure comedy in human history. I've already talked about it. It is Scott's Tots, the episode in which other people would not dare make this show, but they did. They did it. <laughs> Michael Scott, you know, he made some empty promises in his life, but this was definitely the most generous. <laughs> <laughs> and the emptiest. oh it's so awkward i don't even feel like i need to talk about this very much because if you know you know like yeah <laughs> it's it's perfect it also is married with the also horrible the also cringeworthy horrible b-plot of jim trying to do employee of the month using dwight's uh. fake formula and naming himself oh, employee yeah. of the month Oh it's maybe God. the height of Dwight's diabolical nature is this episode. Um, when you actually think, man, Dwight wait, may really succeed. The interesting thing about this episode is, is that most shows with an A plot so hard to watch would give you an easy B plot, but this show did not do that. Nope. <laughs> they gave you two plots that were hard to watch. Oh, it's just so it's, it's the only episode of The Office that I skip. When I like go back and rewatch The Office, nine, like four out of every five times, I probably skip this. I'll watch it like every other year, but it's it's just it's it's like unwatchable. These kids hope like, this is like this pure elation of like we get we're getting college paid for, yay! To I don't have any of that money, but I can give you this book. Well, no, he offers to buy their textbooks, and then they're like, oh, books are like three grand, and he's like, I'll buy you a laptop battery. (laughs) (laughs) A laptop battery. it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, Okay, so Jake and Trevor, you guys each have different number threes. So, Trevor, why don't you kick us off and talk about your number three? My number three is The Injury. Hmm. Which, if you don't know, is the one where Michael Scott clamps his foot on his hot George Foreman grill, <laughs> and then Dwight so gets a me. concussion trying to reach to him. the the <laughs> The talking head explanation of that is peak Michael Scott, like absolutely peak <laughs> Michael Scott. I don't have a butler, so every night I have to lay out six strips of bacon on my George Foreman grill. <laughs> <laughs> This man has been eating. He he regularly eats pork that is sitting out for eight hours. Like re- <laughs> regularly, how is he still alive? <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! But we, but we have the great subplot of Dwight becoming Bizarro Dwight from his concussion, um, and and Pam dealing with that because the Dwight Pam relationship is an interesting thing throughout the show as well. Um, it just has so many of these good things and there's, it's an interesting episode in that I think 
most of the sh- the episodes that I love in this show that I think are great have really high stakes at some level, and this one has no stakes whatsoever. It's just a goofy, kind of silly, weird old hijinks at Scranton Dunder Mifflin, and it's just hilarious. Nice. Uh, Jake, what is your number three? My number three is the uh, finale series, the especially the AARM and the finale episode. Um, do you guys have it any higher than this or can we talk about it now? No, you have it the highest. Okay. Um, this is my favorite show of all time. And the first time I watched this finale, I cried. I thought it was, and I still do think it is maybe the best final episode or episodes ever in a show that is so satisfying, so funny, ties up so many great character arcs. Um, it's just perfect. It's everything you want for the end of the show. And it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel contrived. Um, it just feels so honest and earnest. And the moment you finish it, you want to start watching it again. And it's just, (laughs) it's perfect. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this one for a couple minutes. I have to back all the way up to live in the dream. Cause I think that's when that's the beginning of the end, the third to last episode when mm-hmm. Jim decides he's going to stay in Scranton and we get the beginning of like when, I, when Ugh. our characters have reached that DVD he gives when Ugh. that's, that's, I think I don't, is that in live in the dream? Yeah. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, one of my favorite moments in the show is when David Wallace asks Jim if Dwight should be manager and, mm. and you like, like Jim is like finally at this place where he's like ready to take this a hundred percent seriously. And he's like, yes, of course Dwight would be the best manager. But the thing is Jim would have never said this, but up until this point, as we know, Dwight would have never been ready to be the manager, but now he is. And it's it's this it's these great character moments that roll into AARM, which doing having Jim search for the assistant to the assistant regional manager is like a callback to the very first episode. <laughs> this through line, this constant joke, and of course Dwight is the best choice. Like who else? Who else would it be? Nally is perfect in every way. Um, I love that Steve Carell came back, but I love that. And I, and I know that it, some of it was availability f- of Steve Carell, but you really get the feel that Michael is like changed and matured as a person. Like he doesn't need to be the center of attention. He's just there to celebrate his friends. I love that Shroots get married in their graves. That's one of my favorite <laughs> Shroot family traditions. I well, think- it's such a like, they, it's a throwaway line that Dwight makes earlier in the series. Yeah. But then to actually like commit to it and do that in your very final episode is such a like brilliant the consistent play. I love that Ryan and Kelly just leave a baby and run away together because that is, <laughs> that is the truest expression of who their characters really are. And as he's um, running away, he says, I finally mastered commitment. <laughs> <laughs> but even just, like then, the end where it's like everybody gets their moment yes. of like saying their, their goodbyes. Hmm. The absolute, yeah. the absolute culmination of this series on an emotional level is when Dwight fires Jim and Pam to give them severance packages. Yep. And mm-hmm. I'm yep. starting to tear up right now, and I cannot watch that without crying. Every single time I've ever watched that episode, I have cried. And You know, what's, what's, what's so 
Well, Trevor, you finished what you were thinking. No, no, that's, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, I just, I was kind of getting to the rambling point so that I didn't start crying on this podcast. Um, what, um, <laughs> what's, what's, I think unique for me, and I guess it's the same situation for Jake, actually, is that this episode premiered or aired on a Thursday night and we graduated on Saturday morning. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't think about that timing. And so there's this like finality to this series. And there's a quote in the finale where it's, you know, I wish we, there was a way to know we were in the good old days before mm-hmm. we were out of them. And I think for college, for where we were at in our lives, I've never had a quote hit so hard and hit so like emotionally raw in me. And uh, it was just so real. That was a quote that just like stuck with me for that entire like last weekend. And that's something I'll never forget. That's something I like tell to my boys when I'm older. And it's just such a like, I think I, I, I use this jokingly a lot, but it's such a like gift of like a final episode in that it could have taken you and given you 15 different things. that it's like, Oh, I don't really care about that. But instead it just like, I have no problem with the finale giving you everything you want. And oftentimes people look at that as a cop-out, but I think it's the only way here for it really to have a satisfying ending is that give us, give us everything we've ever wanted in the, in the episode, in the series and hold nothing back. And they do that. They don't try and present anything new. They just say, here's what we have. Let's give you everything. And let's once again, remind you why, why you love these characters. And I think that's a gift. And I think that's such a beautiful thing that they, they strive for and that they, they succeed in. I love that. I love that. It, I didn't talk about this. I love the culmination of the Oscar Angela relationship that happens in these last couple episodes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. them having hated each other for so long, but becoming friends. Um, it just, it's everything. Everyone gets a happy ending, but like you said, Jake, it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel hokey. It just feels authentic to what the show is, to what the people are. And it's kind of, I mean, I think the more that I work in an office with the same people, the more I res this show resonates with me where these people like, unless you like absolutely despise them, like you end up loving them because you just like are around them for so long. You can't do anything else. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what makes this show truly great. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into my number three, which is both of your number twos, which is the most watched episode of the office ever. Um, with almost 23 million people watching this episode. Well, and the second most watched kind of aired after the Super Bowl, but still 23 million versus second place is 11. Also, they also really brought it for their Super Bowl episode. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It is none other than stress relief part one and two, which Trevor talked about a little bit earlier. The cold open is Dwight (laughs) simulating a... (laughs) A fire for the rest of the office, which is one of the best cold opens. True pandemonium um, ensues. Just you also get like I, I think every storyline in this is perfect, from Stanley's heart attack to um the whole Jim and Pam thing watching the movie with Andy, which is the Jack Black Jessica Alba movie thing that they watch on with Andy's a small laptop. rewrite. Yes. 
um, to even like, you know, you get a beautiful Jim and Pam movement of like Jim talking to Pam's dad as Jim and Pam's parents are going through a hard time and Jim uh, telling her dad how he really feels. And I, I think it's a, it's a near perfect episode. I agree. This is a, uh, for me, this is, this is where like the show hit legendary status for me, because not only do you have that cold open, which is probably the best cold open ever in the history of television, but you also have the CPR dummy, like the, <laughs> that scene and the cold open are both under two minutes and are probably the funniest two minutes I've ever watched of anything ever. Listen, I, and also oh a, a guy, a guy catching. learned CPR from that show and saved someone's life. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, I always this think about story? that staying alive thing. Like yeah. I always think about yeah. that. Yeah. There's a guy that learned that from, from the, the office show and saved somebody's life doing CPR on them. Wow. Did he cut their face off? Did he harvest their organs? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Clarice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that turn he does. <laughs> What's the first thing you do? I harvest the organs. I check for a donor card. <laughs> Creed goes, Quick, I already checked. Nice he doesn't chest. have a wallet. <laughs> he doesn't have a wallet. Man, and all uh. of that with, the, with Michael's roast going on. Uh. Yes. In which, in which Michael is actually the worst person to have a roast of of all time. And, and then he comes back and roasts everybody. Angela, Angela, where are you? I didn't see you behind that grain of rice. Boom, roasted. That's something I quote so often. Boom, roasted. Oh, man. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, my number two, then, is also each of your number ones. Oh. Hmm. So both of your guys' number wow. ones okay. is the dinner party episode. This is this is the only episode that I had ranked before I did everything else. I knew that this was my number one because yeah, this is the best episode of television maybe ever. I think I think that it's on my short list for best episodes of television. There's a I think it's Rolling Stone did an oral history of this a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and it is a 100 percent must read. You need to watch the episode, read the article, and then watch the episode. The best part of it is that it has the full original version of Hunter's song, You Took Me By The Hand. <laughs> and <laughs> Please let this episode, the outro of this episode, be that song. <laughs> yes. Jake, make that happen. Um, but yeah, this, this episode is perfect. The snip, snap, snip, snap. The throwing the oh dungy, the LCD, the poly girl sign. Jan's candles. The, the Dwight brought his own <laughs> chairs and wine and food. <laughs> and the way that Michael sets it up by making sure that every, no one has plans. And, uh, yes. And just every single part of it. Every, the, it's perfect. The bloopers of this episode, too, are so funny because everyone's losing it in every scene and they're all like we're never going to finish this episode oh my gosh like steve carell pushing the lcd like <laughs> an inch into the wall and just everybody just losing it the um the jim's look at the serenity by jan the whole thing that, that's like Where the he quickly most, like backs out of the room that's like the best jim face of all of them i think oh. and, it, and it hits at this perfect time where you have like the new fun Jim Pam relationship, the weird as hell Andy Angela relationship, and then the even Dwight weirder, dating his babysitter. Yeah, 
And then somehow the Michael Jane is the weirdest don't of them worry all. About it. <laughs> it took me by the hand. Oh, man. what a what a song! Man. Michael thinks that Jane is trying to poison him. <laughs> Dan doing the worst thing that you can do as a party host and putting the food in the oven after people get yeah. there. I just need to put the osobuco in the oven, and it'll it'll only be like three hours. Three hours from when you put it in, or three hours from now? So good. The whole yes. thing where Jan so thinks that Pam used to sleep with Michael. <laughs> There's just so many good little one-liners, too, of, like, they bring the wine, and they bring the wine, and Jan's like, this will be great to cook with. Like, such a, yeah. like a, like a backhanded, mean thing to say. The charades game of like the way that they're messing around with Michael Tom Cruise and ah uh, so <laughs> it's it's astounding like i said that that they fit this much into 22 minutes like how does all of this happen <laughs> this it's is crazy. also the episode that we get the classic line of which whenever i have a wine i always quote it has a great oaky afterbirth <laughs> uh, what was that <laughs> it's it's it really shows a a show and a writing creative team that has an impeccable handle on its characters mm-hmm. like the show knows what it is these they know who these characters are <laughs> and you feel that through every literally every second of this episode yeah okay so that was each of your number one i am curious if you guys knowing me can guess what my number one episode of The Office is. Hmm. I, I don't know. I've kind of been thinking about it, and I'm I'm really not sure. Is yours on our list anywhere? It is not, surprisingly. And it has not been mentioned on honorable mentions. Neither of you guys mentioned it in, like, best moments. I was kind of shocked. I'll be honest. I'm it is shocked. season four, episode five. Or season six, episode four and five, Niagara. Oh, I was uh, on my honorable mentions. Yeah. It was on my honorable mentions. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. There is no you're, you're single a episode. for a culmination of romantic arc. <laughs> it, okay, so it throws you this thing of like, in reality, the show has been building for so long to the marriage of Jim and Pam. And you're like, we're finally going to get it. And then, of course, there's like these quirky hijinks of... Um, Pam being pregnant and then Michael not being the one to ruin that, but then Jim being the one to ruin that. And then Andy (laughs) tearing his scrotum, but then Pam calling Jim, but then Jim's getting drunk and then Michael doesn't have his own room. And then Jim or Dwight hooks up with uh, one of Pam's uh, bridesmaids. But then like when you get down to the actual wedding, you're like, okay, we're going to have this very emotional, great, beautiful wedding of Jim and Pam. But then they throw you a curveball and they're like, no, Jim and Pam actually got married at Niagara Falls before any of this. But then even with that, as they're intercutting that, there's this whole Chris Brown forever wedding dance that they throw in there. It's like a curveball on top of a curveball and it's every step of it, it's inception, but every dream level is perfect. And I don't think that like, there's a better way to have culminated this huge storyline than in the way that they did this of like 
Jim and Pam just kind of elope and are like, uh, let's just go get married at Niagara Falls with a torn veil and a cut tie. I couldn't Mm -hmm. think of anything more perfect and romantic than that single moment on The Office. It's perfect for those characters and their relationship. Um, It's so human. It... I I do think the Chris Brown thing is a little dated. It's like, oh yeah, that was a YouTube video. Remember that? That was funny. This episode um, came out only like three months at- after that video was posted on YouTube. I just looked at that. Wow. I it think like, it works it pretty in fast. its own right though. I think that it yeah. works like even if you don't even if you've never seen that, it's still just like this like kitschy, like kind of jokey, weird thing that happens. Mm-hmm. That's like everybody is so wants to be so involved in each other's business, even though it's like, like, could you ever imagine at any of your coworkers' weddings dancing down the aisle to Chris Brown's Forever without telling them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that would never. And it's it's such a like it shows you like they're a family. It shows you like Jim and Pam still have. I, I just think it's it's everything that this show is all in one. Well. That is all we have for uh, our final little bit of the episode. Let's get to our our final content of the week. Jake, what is your content of the week? Man, I can't believe it. I can't believe this is the last one. Uh, my, my final recommend is going to be a podcast that has given me endless hours of entertainment recently. Uh, it's a podcast classics, but I'm, I'm late to it, and it's Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Um, I, I love history. I think it's really interesting when told well, and this is like the ultimate, uh, you're interested in history and you want to learn about stuff and you want it to be interesting and you've got some, some time to kill or some hours, or you want like a thing that you can consistently go back to. This is that thing for you. Uh, it's fantastic. I've been listening to the world war one series. He's got a bunch of other ones. Uh, it's podcast classic for a reason. So check it out. Trevor. There's uh there's some guys uh, related to that. There's some guys that did a post somewhere on one of the things that I can't remember what it was. I tried to Google it. I can't find it, but they, they have something called the Carlin radius and it's how far they can drive from their house during a Dan Carlin podcast. Episode. <laughs> um, which is, which is pretty awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I already kind of gave mine away. It was going to be a uh, conference room, five minutes by Shay Serrano. Um, it's 10 little essays about the, um, about the office. Um, and they're, they're fantastic. A, a must for any office fan. It's 20 bucks, which may seem like a lot for a, an ebook, whatever, but it's great. It goes to Shay Serrano who literally just gives money away to people who need it on Twitter sometimes. So, um, help support him, help support that. That's, he's a great dude. He literally just paid a guy's rent. Yeah, and, that's uh, like that's energy bills. That's like what he does. He's like, hey, I got some extra money. Or people tw- or tweet him and be like, hey, I got 200 bucks. Who needs a car payment this month? And right. they just give money away. So also follow Shea Serrano on F-O-H Twitter. FOH Army is strong. He'll make you a better person. Also, um, go buy movies and other things, which is his new book that's on pre-order. I have been pre-ordered for so long, I had to change my address on my pre-order because I moved. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So very excited for that. But yeah, pre-order movies and other things that there's Shea Serrano book. Yeah. Google Shea Serrano, do all of his things. That's my recommends. Well, it's September and there's only one thing that I can really recommend. 
starting next week on Wednesday, September 25th at 7 p.m. Yes. Season 39 of Survivor. I don't know what else to tell you. What's the theme? What's Rob the Mariano, theme? Sandra Diaz. Uh, it's it's kind of like you know they're bringing back but old point, members. These people are just regular cast members of a TV show, right? I mean, they've both. Sandra's won it twice. Rob has won it once and been on it five times. Oh uh, it's it's t- it's technically called Island of Idols, which is interesting. But it's pretty much going to be like they're bringing back two of the greatest players of Survivor of all time, and they are almost running like a boot camp for these new people of like, hey, we're going to help. They're not actually competing, but oh. they're going to help oh, and give yes. them advice of like, here's how you should navigate this. Is Jeff Probst still At on least- it? Probes is still on it, baby. Oh man, wow. best job. Probes ain't never gonna leave. Best job. Probes is gonna world. be ninety, doing that. So he, he does yeah. something absolutely ridiculous without a hint of irony, and I respect him for it. Yeah, him and I the can't Bachelor wait. guy have the best jobs in television. I think that the Amazing Race guy has one of the best jobs in television. Yeah, <laughs> let me travel too. around the world, and uh, I have to be on TV for maybe five minutes. Sign Um, up. yeah. All right. Uh, if you've made it to the end of this episode, that um, means a lot to us. Um, normally, we preview what we're going to do next week or we plug where you can listen to us. But since this is the finale, um, it's only fitting to thank uh, our families, thank anybody that's ever listened to us, anybody that's ever shared us, anybody that's ever sent us a message and let us know their thoughts on something or tried to interact with us sincerely it's meant the world to us um you are families that have supported us and you know pushed us to do this and allowed us to do this and taken time out of their schedules to make sure that we can do this thank you to them and um um to jake and trevor thank you guys you guys are um good co-hosts and better friends so thanks bud um yeah, man, this, is, this has been doing great, this. you guys. It's been a lot of fun. It's not dead. Yeah. It's just a permanent we've seen, hiatus. We've seen... Oh. <laughs> it's like when Fallout Boy went on an indefinite hiatus. Like, they're going to come back, but, like, it's going to be, like, sparingly. can't believe you just... Oh. <laughs> okay. The last band reference on this show is Fallout Boy. Oh, God. <laughs> Ava Brothers, uh, yeah. Rush, Jason um, Isbell, wash your brain. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think so. this is yeah. This has been great. We've had a lot of good times. We've seen a lot of great movies. We've seen a few terrible movies. Um, made a lot of good jokes. Met a lot of not really met people, but uh, but I've had a great time. Yeah, I I echo everything you guys have said. This has been awesome. Uh, and like I said, this isn't. It's not that we're we're over it or we're done. It's just we're all in a phase of life currently where we can't do a weekly episode because our schedules and family life is so is so crazy. But like I've said before, that doesn't mean we're gone forever. I'm sure we'll we'll be back for some big episodes and some some big big movies coming out. Or if you know, we just want to do like a Parks and Rec top ten. Why not? I mean, yeah. we we talk all the time yeah. anyways, so why not? We're going <laughs> to... I would say that there's a 98% chance that there's going to be a Rise of Skywalker episode coming your way. Yeah, I strongly point. agree with and that. And we're going to tell you why it does or doesn't suck based on the opposite of what the fanboys say. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, all right, so... 
you already know probably where you can reach us online, but let's end this the exact way that The Office ended with a quote from Pam herself. And quote goes, there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that the kind of the point of it? Good night. Mm. Bye. I'll be good. Travel to lands we've never been My love for you is fervent You took me